Hi, this is Danielle Carsa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 202 of Art for Your Ear. So usually I'm a little bit organized, um, but this week I was uh, not. <laughs> so today's episode was actually recorded today, and it is so much fun. The first time I wrote about Philly-based artist Lydia Ritchie was in 2017. I wish I had called her right then and there, because it turns out we might be related. Well, not in a blood-related kind of way, but in a cosmic sister sort of situation. Just wait, you'll see what I mean. Lydia turns scraps of the weirdest bits and pieces into beautiful little objects, from couches and hair dryers to cars and roller skates. That's actually a really good segue because this entire episode is made up of a whole bunch of nostalgia, hilarious stories, and bits of magic all stuck together with duct tape. Okay, well the duct tape part isn't real, but the rest totally is. Ready? Here we go, calling Lydia in Philadelphia. Hi Lydia, welcome to Art for Your Ear. Hi Danielle, how are you? Good, I'm so happy that you're here. I went and looked up the first time I wrote about you. I think it was 2017. That was, um, it's funny that you bring that up because that was extremely pivotal, helpful. I don't know how to say it, but that it's interesting. I was driving, I was on a train to New York and I feel like that's when, you know, when you're out of your element (laughs) and that's when I emailed you, you know, I said, Oh, I think you might want to enjoy this. And you responded a couple like, and then that got me to like clean up my Instagram account. Like I got all my family <laughs> off of there and I was like, I'm going to, you know, just turn this into, you know, things that inspire me and in artwork. And, you know, and it, it was like a pivot. I spent the whole weekend doing that, you know, Googling how to, can you just transfer your Instagram? And, yeah. and, and, re, and then, so honestly, you really, I didn't tell you this before, but yeah, that was a very, that's a milestone. That was a wow. milestone. Wow. I yeah. had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was that's important. so neat. Oh yeah, because then it got me, it began a community versus just, you know, people, you know, that knew me as this, that, or the other, you know, that knew me yeah. you know, from the neighborhood or from, you know, college or from high school. It's like, it, it became people that we can talk about what I was making. And that was the first time that it happened. Wow. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Because yeah, you seemed so like established I felt like when so did you reach out to me or did I find you randomly? I reached out to you I oh. sent you a note and I said oh you know and you wrote a lovely note you just wrote back like I really I love these I would love to share them and you did and I didn't know you know exactly so that weekend I just went through and I was like she's gonna share them so I want to not share I mean I love that I have a family and I love that I have this that, but I wanted people to see what I was making and yeah. you did that and then it was like oh okay there was a response and it really kind of helped kickstart me thinking and oh I didn't know and like I I'm I'm giving myself some uh promotion here go on Lydia go on no I'm saying I was I um yeah that was pivotal yes I'm so glad that is why I keep doing this like you know because I hear those stories and it's just it blows my mind the power of the internet you know is insane I know that we talk about the bad but the good is especially like there's a lot of good too there is especially right now you know and I think too for years I felt so alone right like Mm -hmm. out of art school and stuff and there was no way to connect unless you lived in an area where there were other artists and that you felt comfortable going and saying hi you know and if you 
if you're an introvert, that's oh. so hard to do. And so, um, yeah, there are, I think there's lots of good things about the, yes. the interweb. Oh, absolutely. The interweb yeah. is, is and, and you say introvert, but I, I would say I'm an extrovert, but not about artwork. And mm. so it was like, it, it became this like micro community that like, I'm like, I'm never going to get in that community, you know? So this idea of like relating to people and putting stuff out there and not, that's not the whole incentive, but it was like, God, you want to know that you're not just doing it to put on your wall. Yeah. 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 It's just so cool that the the communities that start to form around you, I always tell people, you know, if like, don't write about art, if you're not into art, like if you're really into, you know, pens, start an Instagram about pen and you'll meet other weird pen people, you know, and it's just, it's really neat. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I want to hear about little Lydia. I want to hear if you were gathering random things when you were a kid, if you were chopping up cereal boxes, what was going on? Where did you grow up and were you making stuff? I, you know, I, it's funny. Um, God, that's a good question. No. Um, I grew up in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, and I was not chopping up things. I was always making stuff. I mean, I loved my Crayola markers. I loved watercolor. I loved art supplies, but not just to make the rainbows and the pretty pictures. Um, an underlying theme is I am oddly goal oriented, even as like a five-year-old. And I, I'm still trying to figure out why, like I was trying to, you know, start this. It wasn't that I wanted to start a babysitting business. I wanted to make the like promotional pieces to, you know, or the, the card hop to health with the frog, you know, for my grandmother, or like the perfect mother's day. Like, what does this year's mother's day mean for my mom? You know, like I was very, like wanted the picture to make someone happy. Um, I also wasn't, um, I wouldn't say I wasn't a good student because like, if you looked at my report cards, like I was a really good student, but I um, am not a good learner. Like I don't, I don't know. I I have horrible reading comprehension. Like, I think I like the school system wasn't meant for me. So I think I overcompensated by like, if there was a report a geography report, like I'm going to make the best cover ever. So they don't read anything on the inside because I probably plagiarized it from like Encyclopedia Britannica. So it was all about this, you know, like, oh, I, and I love that, like book covers. It's like, oh, you bring home third grade, you bring home like your math, your social studies. Like I spent the entire weekend, like in the ba- in our like family room floor, like, what is this book, you know, and like drawing the pictures on the like brown paper. Yeah. So, so I just always, 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 always made stuff, but I didn't start collecting stuff until I would say in my um, 20s. Oh, really? Wow. Well, so what did your family think of you? Are they artsy? Like, what did they think of you down in the family room making all this stuff? They didn't like think, like they thought it was nice, like that I wasn't, you know, um, but there's no artsiness in the family. Like my mom, um, my mom was Ukrainian. I shouldn't say that. She like painted pictures. My mom um, kept all our photo albums and was like very organized. And she would draw some stuff and put it on the wall here and there. But it wasn't like, you should do artwork. And my dad was right. like contracts man. There was, he was like, oh, I wish you'd spend as much time on your math as you would on that. Like, you know, <laughs> like, so it wasn't necessarily discouraged, but it wasn't like, I, you know, I looked up to these, you know, creative, they would like, they add an addition and they would like trim, do trim or like put wallpaper up with mirrors, you know, because it was the seventies <laughs> and eighties. You know, but, uh, and my mom always was working on project and my dad was always there to help, you know, but it was not a like, and they was always art supplies because right. they knew I would devour them. 
but it wasn't like this should be your only thing or this is um right much more an academic like you should try and be a lawyer or like you should try and And what did what did you think of that I just thought it was a joke. We all thought it was kind of a joke. Like, I think because like, they also knew I wasn't smart enough. And like, I was kind of the family, like, you know, um, you know, so-and-so if you want, you can retire and be a doc, you can be a doctor so I can retire early. That was like a family dinner conversation, but everyone, the writing on the wall was there. Like there was no doctor, like education in my future. So it was, you know, and it was good natured. It wasn't like, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it was very good natured, but so it was oddly like, um, at the same point, my dad wouldn't throw a damn thing away. Like it was like, it would make my mom crazy. So our garage would fill up and my grandfather didn't throw any, you know, so there was some of that, but it wasn't, um, there was no like art. I mean, we were, went to the cultural center and like, you know, silk screened in the summer and did all that, but there was no like Lydia, you know, you should, it wasn't overly. Um, so did you, what did you think you would be when you grew up? Did, did you? Oh, I knew it would have to be something with art or theater, even though I was yeah. horrible. Okay. <laughs> you know, just something that didn't require math or science. Like I, I hear you. Yeah. You know, that yes. was pretty evident, you know. But yes. I like to work too. Like I love like I got a job at 14. Like I I like the elbow grease. Like I liked hauling stuff and, and making stuff. And what, we, what was your job? What was your job at 14? 14. And I, I mean, I was worked at Mrs. Fields cookies, but I started at the pizza parlor down the way, yeah. you know, like, and just, I wanted to make my own money. And I, and our family like was very like middle-class, like we were fine, but I think my, I always did see that my parents, you know, like there were boundaries for money, like, you know, right, like, right. like we didn't get, you know, I don't know about you Marshalls or, you know, like we yeah, just yeah. bought what was you know, we couldn't ask for everything and stuff. So I kind of wanted to contribute, I think. Yeah, that we were the exact same. And I remember we would, um, I lived in a really, and I'm back in this town now, but we lived in this really small town. And so there was nowhere to really shop. And so you would go to Vancouver every now and then, like maybe twice a year as a five hour drive to Vancouver. And I would go to, because we've established now before we started recording that you and I are the same age. So right. I know you'll get this. I would go to the mall and I would go to the Esprit store Oh, what would you get? And I would go through their like discount bin and buy like a tank top for like $5. And then I would carefully cut the tag out of the back and then sew that onto like my backpack or like a collar shirt or whatever to make it look a little like, yeah, yeah, double it up. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that with like Benetton and um, who, what else? Like, you know, all that. Yeah. Oh, there's Cavarici. Like there was. I mean, I was, um, I remember my cream with pastel, like a spree sweatshirt that I got at Marshall's that I was like, oh my God, if I spill anything on this, like the world's going to, and I couldn't, and you just went through the racks at Marshall's. You're like, come on, come on, come on. on." Yeah, it was, it was like the slot machine. Like, oh my God, you know, score, ding, 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 ding. No, I know. I totally, we were the same way. And, uh, my first summer job, we owned, um, an orchard kind of there was we our house was surrounded by peach orchards and that was owned by our neighbor who was an orchardist but they were dividing it and they were going to sell the lot right beside us and somebody would build a house and the house would have been like on top of us so my parents decided to buy that little plot of orchard just to give us the space and then somehow it became my job to pick the entire orchard oh, the summer oh, that I was 14. Wow. So I had to prune and pick, and then I had to take all of the fruit down to the 
fruit stand owned by the people that own the big orchards and sell the fruit to them. That was my job when I was 14. What was the, see now I would think the best part of that would be the selling. Yes, I hated all because of it. Because it was social. What's that? I hated all of it. You hated all. <laughs> it's too close to home. <laughs> well, you know, in the 80s, in the Okanagan, where I'm from, tans were very important. Oh. So all of my friends were at the beach and I was in the orchard. So I would pick peaches in a bikini uh, oh. with, what was it called? Tropicana. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know oil. what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all of the peach fuzz would stick to me because I was all oiled up. <laughs> and then like the aphids and stuff would follow the trees and they would stick to me. But at least I had a good tan. But you got a good tan. Honestly, the tan was an, ex it's like make money, like do well in school, and like get a good tan. Like that yeah. was, those are the value. That's the value system right there. And <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I would do anything to be outside getting a tan. I, and I, yeah. I actually loved mowing the lawn. And Me too, actually. I very satisfying. It. Very satisfying. But I did. And my dad would be like, you should mow the lawn. And my sister was two years older. And she, I don't know why she was never asked. Maybe because she wouldn't do it. But um, couldn't turn it on. So he would have to come out yep. and start it for me. And, um, but the only thing is he sometimes wanted to help, which, I mean, he always wanted to help. And he's like, I'll bag it and we'll get it done real fast. But like, I wanted to like wear the tank top in the front yard and have people honk at me, you know, because I'm like mowing the lawn, you know, this is the whole perk. Like you don't see people. You're like, okay, I want a little something. And, and like, that's kind of creepy, but, um, but that, and you know, he's like, no, that's very eighties movie. That's yeah. very eighties yeah, movie. That's a, it's true. Yeah. I was just following like what I watched. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, I, I love, I love it when I interview people that are the exact same age as me, because it's like, yep, we just get it all. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So in high school and stuff, you're thinking like, were you focusing on art at all in high school or? Definitely. But also I, um, I, I was very involved. Like I was class president for all four years. So wow. I think there was like an underlying, um, like, like also like a communication thing. Like, I'm like, how can we get people to, um, um, go to this event? So I would you know, make flyers, but I'm like, oh, well, I love the copy lady, but she's, she seems very tired when I go in there. So it's like, I would take the eight and a half by 11 paper and like cut it into like sixes. And I was like, I would make little flyers. Like I kind of, there was a weird marketing brain. I realized now that was in there. It's like in order to become class president, like I was like, well, what, what makes the, what would make the most effective way to people vote for me? Like I would hand. And so I made like pencils to hand out the day of voting, you know, and I like put stickers on the pencils and I say all this. And it's like, it's not like my, and it, this is nothing from my parents. It's not like my mom and I sat down and be like, where do you want to do? Yeah. Get? No, no. It was like, what could I do? And like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what other surfaces do your people not covering? I'm like, well, they're not covering the ceiling. So I like made pins that I hung stars from the ceilings and put glitter and was like, vote for Lydia, you know, stuff like that. And that's in like eighth or ninth grade, which I realized looking now, you know, having kids and like being around teenagers and stuff. I'm like, I think that that that's a bit of a different brain in that capacity. Yeah. Well, um, no wonder I, you were the president for four years. Right. No one else <laughs> wanted to, but it was, and I was jovial. Like I really cared, you know, like I just yeah. wanted people to kind of be happy. So I was like, well, how can I make people happy? I'm like, well, if I buy them donuts, they'd be happy. So I'd like get up at six o'clock. <laughs> I tell this stuff to like friends and they're like, what? Like I get up at like five 36 in the morning, go get donuts, bring them to our hallway 
because I found this place that I really, and I was like, so everyone would come to school and have like donuts and orange juice. And like, then they'd wear a sticker that said 91 spirit, you know, and like stuff like that was very, um, I thought nothing of it. Like, I remember like, I make really, we were taught to cook at a young age, like, and I make really good waffles, homemade waffles, like two eggs, half a cup of sugar, you know, one and three fourths cup milk. Like I can, I have, you know, and I can do those like on a dessert, you know, a deserted island. I don't know if there would be a waffle island, but um, I, um, I would bring the iron and the mix in to homeroom and make people waffles. Like, oh my God. Well, you know, know what? I'm voting for Lydia. You, you had me at gold dangly stars. So right. <laughs> that's awesome. And so oh, installations also are part yeah. of my repertoire. You no know? kidding. Mm-hmm. So when you graduated, what, what did you do? Well, first of all, I, I, I should also say like, I mean, the, the, the somber note is that my, I had a, a, a mom that was terminally ill, like mm. through my high school career. So I was like doing all this stuff, but then I also had to kind of take care of my mom but that was not a Debbie Downer thing. It was like kind of a, I was like, oh yeah, well, she's home and we got to kind of help her. And she was very strong and like, so, okay. So fast forward to like, um, you know, I did take the art classes and did all that. And did, I did, I did all this, but and still somehow got decent grades, but didn't learn a damn thing. So don't ask me about <laughs> World One, World War II. Like, don't ask me anything in politics or political parties or any of that. So I applied to Carnegie Mellon amongst other schools. And I got in there, which I have no idea how, because my SAT scores were um, like nothing. I don't know what they were, but I think I probably gave a good interview. And I went to college for um, design, you know, not even graphic design for industrial slash graphic design, you know? And um, I had a decent portfolio, I guess, from like all this stuff. Although I remember Carnegie Mellon sent out a brochure that said, that my mom, like, I remember her handing it to me. She's like, wouldn't you want to go to a school that has a brochure that's this beautiful? And I was like, oh, okay. I just didn't even think I was going to apply. And because it seemed out of reach for me. And I, and I got in, it was great. And wow. it was, um, and so is that what you did for the, for the four years? I did. Um, so there are programs. So it's like, you go in as a design major. So you pick industrial or graphic and all the girls go to graphic after a year and all the boys go to design industrial but you still kind of in the first years you know um mingle with both majors and um I um like I I lost a lot of confidence there so it's like you know what I mean you go into like it wasn't um I learned a lot but in graphic 2d and 3d it's like I remember the interesting thing is because as we'll talk about like I make a lot of 3d things but through this college experience, um, I was very kind of like told not that I wasn't um, qualified at 3D, like to the point that I had a professor and I have a famous quote that he said, he like looked at my project and he said, some people use a hot glue gun, like a needle and thread. And then he picked up my project in front of the class and he said, others like a hammer and nails. Okay. And, you know, stuff like that. And we all, oh Luckily I was, I have a good sense of humor or, and I remember I I have a good friend that is an industrial designer and he makes beautiful furniture, like, and would, and we used to sit next to each other. And then one day he's like, I can't sit next to you anymore because you're, you're too messy. (laughs) (laughs) And we're, and we're still good friends. He's like, I want to talk and everything, but he's like, I I can't, 
I can't work next to you. And so he moved and, and still, but he's the one that still talks about the professor saying that, like he loves that line. And another and, and one- And when the professor said that line, were you, were you did you kind of go, yeah, yeah, it's true. Or were you hurt? Like, were you upset I by think, it? I think it was so distinctive that I was processing it. Like I, I didn't, but also I think I needed to do a little better. I think it was a little too sloppy. Like, I, like that was the thing is I'm even with criticism, I wasn't um, because of the way I was raised. It was like, well, listen to that. There's something in that. And I redid the project much neater and he hmm. loved it, you know, and it was a better. So it's maybe I was a bit hasty or something. So and another faculty member that's like, you might not be able to see in three dimensions. Like he's like, so, you know, he's like, my, my wife's the same way. And he's like, you know, and some people think it's because women don't pee in a toilet and they're not aiming or something. What? Oh like, it was like a lot of, yeah, like a lot of like lack. Oh, of sweet God. <laughs> That's know? a good one, Lydia. I may have to steal that for the title of a book or something. Cause that is nuts. But it did not completely deter me, which I think in itself is, is something. And it even, is. um, like I, I remember we did like a whole 3D project for environmental graphic design and um, I, I, um, I accidentally, I went to the wood shop and I um, grabbed all these pieces and stuff, but I actually grabbed the wood shop guy's project and turned it into my collage. Anyway, this is a whole like, so it was, so I actually stole like this jointed wood piece and put it into this three-dimensional project because I didn't know what that was. I thought it was, I thought it was a scrap shelf, but it was actually like a, like the shelf that he'd been working on for like two years. And I like spray painted it. And, you know, so, so all I'm saying is like, I didn't, just my knowledge base of the three-dimensional and woodworking, you know, and, and tools, using tools correctly was not that um, advanced. And, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, totally. Do you know, um, Ann Carrington's work? She's, no, I know the she's from London and she makes like, um, big bouquets out of forks and knives and spoons and stuff. And just like, you would love it. It's just, okay. all. anyway, I had her on the podcast a couple months ago. I just assumed that she had been welding and whatever for years. No, she just learned a couple of years ago. And when she went to, she went to the Royal College of London for sculpture and she didn't know what she was doing. She knew how to sew. So she sewed metal together. She would drill holes and then sew it together because she didn't know how to weld. And I, I glued my wood projects together. Yeah. Like that was, I remember I made this box and I glued it together and they're all like, how'd you do that? I'm like, oh, and it came out perfectly. But the guys, you know, in the shop, like they saw me cutting everything and then I put some paper in and then I layered it with the wood and I made this box and it fit in perfectly. But it wasn't, you know, the way you're supposed to do it. Which I think is so great, you know, because you do so. it the way that you can figure out how to do it and I think there's like a, such a good life lesson in there right like I stopped myself for years from doing so many things because I thought somewhere along the way somebody told me I couldn't do it so I was like oh, okay so I can't do that and so like, but the list kept growing so there was all these things I quote unquote couldn't do and just or you recently, weren't doing them right yeah I wasn't doing them right and so I just didn't do them at all. I didn't even do them my way yeah. And mm -hmm. just recently that I've started doing things my way. And so it just ends up how it ends up, right? Well, I think that that's it. It's that um, 
there's a there, there was it's funny i have a very good friends with the computer the computer workshop guy chaz and he actually hired me there and i know i am the person actually at carnegie mellon so the you have to take this computer skills workshop and i am the person on day it was my first class of of um freshman year and actually the same friend eric who told me he couldn't sit next to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and he he lived through all of this and again he's like an amazing woodworker you know but he watched me in that computer class put the mouse on the screen okay and it is now written about in text manuals like that that is not what to do like i'm like a a, a meme and and because i just we did not have that much computer exposure but the interest so fast forward to like we used to have a computer lab okay and i needed a job at school and i i was friends with the computer the guy that ran the computer lab and he's like well do you want to work here i'm like i don't work here but like you know yeah you know what you're getting okay. do you have a mouse because i know exactly where to put it exactly so and i think and also like it, it go fast forward to like junior year where i'm he's like well can you do the 9 a.m shift i'm like no huh? and i remember i was like you agreed to the 9 a.m shift i'm like well he asked me so uh, there's reasons why i was working at the lab but first of all the main thing i learned and it's funny because i made a sculpture out, out of this it's like the main thing to fix a computer is to restart it you know like right that's probably, so, and you are a genius you're like have you tried restarting please just yeah. go back you have to say it really seriously well um you should try restarting and then getting back to it so if you say it like that you're already <laughs> like succeeding but then the other thing with him that told me is like with all the programs and everything um you can do things a lot of different ways. And it was the first time literally in my education, like college, high school, real life, that someone said, I was like, is this right? Because I was self-conscious because computers were new and he was all techie and stuff. And I was like, well, this is how I'm doing it. And he's like, well, does it work for you? And I said, it does. And he said, well, then that's the right way to do it. And it was literally the first time someone had ever, that was an epiphany for me. It's like, oh yeah, we can all get answer this problem in a different in our own way that works yeah out. see yeah. now what i wish someone had told me that 20 years ago right no it's like yeah. connecting that dot of like education comes in different places you know yeah totally and, and i applied that to everything you know yeah. i love it okay so you're going through this you're figuring things out your own way so you went the industrial route you didn't I go the graphic, graphic design no i'm you all graphic, graphic design no, oh. I, I, I made my wood box, my toolbox, and like, it was almost all done. And then I hit, picked it up and put it on the belt sander and like, it exploded. So, you know, <laughs> no, industrial design was not for me. And, um, but I, I did a lot of, it's interesting when I look back now, and, and I teach at a college, I used to teach seniors, I teach freshmen, I much prefer seniors, but this idea, I and mean, I think a lot of people, um, you know, you're always pushing yourself and finding the next thing, but sometimes the thing that you should be doing, not that you shouldn't be pushing it, is just right there in front of you. And I look back to a lot of the things, by the time I had confidence in college, what I was doing, that's like, I, I, it was in a lot of photography classes, like where, like, I mean, I took the pictures and I collaged them and then I reshot them, you know, and it's, there was something about, and I think in some ways that's the videos I make. It's like, I make this messy thing, but then to kind of control it and and have it do the things I wanted to do. It's like shooting it. And and I never thought of photography as a tool. And right. most people use it as their whole medium, but I use it as like a secondary tool, I think. And um, so I was right. Doing and that. it was an instinctual one too, which yes. is so interesting. Yeah. What I realized is like 
there's, there's, I'm always going to be messy. There's something messy about me. Like, look at my, you know, it's like the curly hair. Like, like I, I, I don't have perfect skin. Like I don't like my clothes will never be ironed, but like overall, I think it comes together, but to like, there's a, there's a finishing that needs to happen. And like, um, that's like putting on the lipstick or the lip gloss or like, and, and with my work, it's like, um, taking that photo. Cause I think when you mm. remove like kind of the distance, like, and I do it, I, I, I mean, I also think putting the pieces in a, a cleaner setting helps too, but, um, did you, I, when, when did you kind of consciously realize that? Not until like you started doing your videos and stuff. I think the videos, well, yeah, I think the videos yeah. helped me realize like, and also I did a lot of printmaking work and printmaking is the same where I think there's something with like, you make all this messy stuff and then you run it through the press and it's a little bit out of your control. And yeah. I think the camera gives you an element of something that's like a studio mate, like another collaborator, you know, that, mm. um, that neatens things up, that tighten, yeah. tidies things up. And that's what a printing press does too. You know, you I, I, I minored in printmaking. I loved printmaking. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I took some printmaking classes that, that were, an, and I even quit a job in San Francisco and studied printmaking a couple times in Cortona, Italy. Wow. Yeah. Printmaking, I think is, was a very, um, instinct. What kind of printmaking did you do? Uh, I did litho and lino mainly. And I, and a bit of screen printing. I liked anything that was super, super graphic, like graphic okay. designy flat. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I was doing a BFA and it was very like, you know, nineties BFA. So it was very right. like big abstract splashy paintings. And I was like, mm, I don't like that. Right. Um, and I ended up going to design school after my BFA because um, I went to Sheridan college in Ontario okay. to do a post-grad okay. and uh, it was, I fit in there beautifully. I, I know, you know, I think it was the Esprit sweater, maybe. Um, oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but okay. I really, I think the label what... sewn on. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. I think it was still sewn on then. I, don't, I still don't think I could have afforded <laughs> it by then. But I think that um, I, I find it so funny, like collage and printmaking. So many people that are designers do both of those things. Oh, yeah. You I, know? I don't, I, it, it's interesting. Now with the printmaking too, I did a lot of the zinc plates. Well, that was later. Oh, I yeah. First I learned you know, the, the, in, in school, I learned the, the um, lino and then the litho. Now um, the litho, I, again, like I was a terror, like I broke a stone <gasps> like, was, and you, because I hopped up on the bar and oh, put gosh. all my weight and cracked it. Like, and that's the thing. I'm like, I feel like I'm a little like, <laughs> and that's not even pushing boundaries. Like that's, and then I was just like, shit. You know, um, you just like, sneak out of there backwards. Too, I buried it? the stones. I put them somewhere and buried them because I'm like, you can't put a, a big and they're numbered. And I was like, oh, they're going to know this. Thank God there wasn't surveillance back then. Then, then the other like, I'm actually like this. This could get me in big trouble. Yeah, I buried them on the campus. I feel like I went back another night and buried the two halves in different like bushes or something. Oh, my God. they're expensive. Those stones. I looked it up. Did you ever get caught? Like, did they ever know? Oh no! But you know what happened though. The this is the like, and and the thing is, you know, like, what if they come for you right after this podcast episode? Goes yeah. Like, oh, and here's the thing. There's like 162 more stories like this, but this is other <laughs> printmaking story that's awful. Is that um? So I was in, and again, like it's 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 amazing that I went on to like be passionate for printmaking because. So the, the, um, 
what was it? The, um, when we were doing the, the Intaglio, okay. um, there was a demo and they did the demo of like the, the professor did the like, there was, I was a designer like taking it as an elective, but there was like the art star student, this woman, and she ran hers through as the demo. Okay. And it was this like red dots or, it, you know, it was cool. And, you know, worse, you know, it's elective and you're like, oh my God, it's like 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Like I should get over. So I, I, I think I went early on a Sunday to work and then you're like, oh shit, I got to hand in my portfolio. So I went back to the studio and I like, you know, grabbed my stuff that's hanging on the wall. And I, that day I had worked with that same artist woman. I was, you know, we kind of had a rapport. I'm feeling cool. Like she and I like hit it off. So Hannah, I don't like where this is going. I don't like where this no, is going. No, so, okay. <laughs> so when we hand in our additions, okay, we hand in our additions, then we're going on to this, this silk screening part. Here's the deal. Long story short, I ended up putting one of her prints in my portfolio because I just grabbed a bunch of red stuff off the wall. And we printed that same day. We shared ink. Her print was the, the class print. It was the one that they demoed, okay? <laughs> but this showed how little, like, and how out of my mind I was. Like, and I signed it, titled it and numbered it. Cause I didn't understand this whole, like, I'm not clinical. Like I'm not, okay. So the woman came to the next segment and said, I'd like to talk to, you know, she handed everyone back their portfolios, didn't hand me back mine or hers, this art star student. So I'm like, holy shit, she sees something in me. Like, this is something like, oh my God, like maybe she wants to take more from me. So I go back to, and she's like, I'd like to talk to both of you when you have time. So I, it was like winter. I, I go across the, the um, campus, you know, 20 degree weather in Pittsburgh, climb down the three subterranean, like the basement. And I was like, hi, Albertine. It's me, Lydia. Like, and she just opens the portfolio and starts handing out the, laying them on the table. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's not mine. And she's, and she just looks at me and she said, I'm going to get you, um, what's it called when you get kicked out of school? Um, expelled. I, I'm going to get you expelled for this. And I was like, what? It was awful, obviously. Okay. And I'm like, oh my God, you can think I'm stupid, careless, anything, but I am not like, I am not a crook. Like I, this is the, this is literally the class demo. She's like, you named it and signed it. I'm like, like, I wish anyway. So I had to have like faculty write notes. I had to write letters. It was awful. Yeah. awful. Did you have um, dirt under your nails from burying the litho stone during that? (laughs) That happened next. Okay. So I was like, Oh my God, like, like don't hop up on the printing press and pull. So anyway, I did tons of print. Print, printmaking turned happy later in life. Like I did it in San Francisco. Oh my I met my husband in the, in the printmaking studio, like it all worked out, but. I could not love this more. <laughs> Those are the best stories. Oh my gosh. Picturing you digging, putting the, hiding the things in the book. Okay. Okay. So Lydia. When you weren't committing crimes in the studio. Okay, now I know about San Francisco. So, okay, I'm skipping ahead. Okay, so you graduate, I assume. You didn't get expelled. You graduate. Um, What's your plan? Um, I decided, even during graduation, I was going to move to San Francisco. Like, I'm from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Like, I looked at magazines, and I did literally a tally list of the states that had the most um, the prettiest pieces from print magazine. And I just like, tick, 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 tick. it was New York and San, the cities, New York and San Francisco. And I did not want to do New York because it seemed like Philadelphia. It seemed right. like 
too close. And also I dated a guy in San Francisco. I mean, that lasted like a, a minute. Okay. <laughs> but still I would say if he was in Kansas, I wouldn't have gone to San Francisco, but so I, um, moved literally with a suitcase inside of a suit, two suitcases. Like, and I had the like free credit card from college. I moved to San Francisco. I lived with it like on nothing. I had nothing. Okay. Nothing moved to San Francisco because of a job that I, um, got on an index card. Like I went through the yellow pages and literally called every number. Hi, I'm Lydia. Like, I want to know if you need a graphic designer. And these people were like, what? And I'm like, okay, can I come in and interview? Like it was that crazy. I also got a job at, um, I got the internship offered, um, at Herman Miller. They do a one year wow. design internship in, in, and they flew me from San Francisco out, which was like, and, and, and I, it was a day of interviewing. Like I flew from San Francisco with my portfolio that was, um, eight feet by six feet. You know, it's like, you could fit a body in there. Yeah. And, um, and I, they flew me out and I interviewed with, where, where, where were they? Michigan. Okay. Um, Ann Arbor, Michigan or Grand Rapids. Okay. Michigan. And, um, it was only, it was a one-year position. And the guy actually said to me, if you take this job, like I'll get you any graphic design job you want afterwards. Like, and I, for the first time in my life, I made the decision that wasn't the practical one. I was like, no, I, if I don't go to San Francisco now, like I know, I knew I would never go. I knew, right. I, I knew I would go right to New York. I'd be on the East coast forever. Um, I didn't want to do the right thing. And, and I, and I, it was awful because it, it was really the right decision. Like it was such a good, it was such, instead I like took the $10 an hour job in like a warehouse with a husband and wife, that like barely had it, you know, but yeah. In, in some ways that was the better decision. Like I got my hands dirty and I, and the other thing I, I'll say, and this is the little, another tangent, but at the Herman in, Miller interview, I had so much stuff from San Francisco. Like I packed randomly that my, I met with the president and I opened up my portfolio and my bra and underwear was all packed in there. And I had to like, and he's like, Oh, and I had to like put it into my like other bag. Cause I just didn't think I'd be like interviewing right away from the airport, you know? Right, and, right. So, oh, anyway, my God. I, I think we're noticing a theme. Okay. I'm like, and yeah. I love it all so much. Well, but you know what that leads into? That leads into the pantyhose story. Well, that that whole story was my first day of interviewing. Yeah. That's I just movie. watched that. Oh. I just watched your little short film and was mortified. And I was like, clearly, I need to ask her about this. So you have already brought up your giant portfolio case, living in San Francisco, bras and underpants. So do you want to tell the pantyhose story or, or will that give it away? And I, should... I mean, it's, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but I did sell my pantyhose once for $20, but in, the true story is he only gave me 10. Okay. But, but he offered my, you 20. He offered me 20. That's the only reason I threw them out the, the cab window. Okay. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. And then we'll let people watch the, the video. That day, I should say was a magical day in San Francisco, not the pant. Even before that, what didn't go into that short film was, I was living with a boyfriend on a boat in Sausalito. Okay. Because that's where he lived. Like his parents were on a boat and I was on a boat and it rocked and, you know, and I was going to interview and I wanted to live in San Francisco so badly. I had like eight interviews lined up eight. Okay. Eight interviews in one day. And I, I didn't know how to read a map and I'm not exaggerating. Like I literally didn't know how to read a map. So the first thing I need to do is get my shirt ironed. So I go, I'm on a boat with no iron. So I go to a dry cleaner up the street from his house on my way to catch a bus. And I show the woman, I was like, can you help me iron this shirt? And she doesn't do it for me. She pulls an iron and an ironing board out. So I'm in the dry cleaners, like 
ironing my shirt in the front of the store. Like I had a tank top on underneath it. And then I get on the, the bus to San Francisco. And of course my whole day to find out how to get anywhere is like asking the bus driver, asking the person next to me. So I'm like, I need oh to get God. to Marcadero. So it's like, I get there and then it's like, you know, it's San Francisco in July and it's like 50 degrees and I'm in a sundress and a blouse. So then I go and buy a blazer with all my life savings and pantyhose to solve my problem. Okay, so anyway, so that is, and then the other thing is to get to that interview. After I had two or three more interviews th that day to get to that interview, I'm like walking around the street and I asked a woman for, I'm like, do you know how to get to 2035 Third Street? And we're at 205 Third Street. And she's like, that, you have to take a bus. Like that's like way down there. And, and now it's built up, but back then it was nothing. She hailed a bus for me. This woman walking on her lunch break, hailed a bus for me, stopped the bus driver. She's like, she's trying to get to 2035 Third Street. He's like, oh, I know where that is. He put me in his bus and dropped me off there, you know? Oh. Wow. And, and he's like, and then you're going to stay here on the way home. And like, that's all I'm saying. And then the pantyhose story happens. So the kindness of strangers is a magical thing. If you're willing to like open yourself up to it. Oh, well then how long were you in San Francisco after all that? 10 years. Wow. Ten years. I started a design studio there. Yeah. I, and I did a lot of artwork. Like I always did. Oh, so you know what? Back to your very first question. Here we go. Full circle, Danielle. <laughs> Were you always putting pieces together and stuff? San Francisco living by, so I rented a, a flat in San Francisco um, by myself. I, I, I remember the, the, the father of the guy I was dating, which we'd broken up and this guy was an artist. And he's like, it seems that you would find a roommate by like interviewing. And I had very little time to, and he's like, it seems to me like you're having trouble finding a roommate, but if you rented a flat yourself, you could fill it with roommates. And I was, and he's like, you can probably save on rent. And it's very entrepreneurial. But that is exactly what I did. I was going to um, get a slice of pizza and I saw this woman with the clipboard. I had no idea why she's holding it. And I snuck myself in behind her. She's like, are you here for the flat? And I said, yes. <laughs> and she said, you look very professional. And I said, I am very professional. And I <laughs> rented. So look she at my pantyhose. Exactly. <laughs> I, I took the application and literally lied through the entire thing. Like, I lied about every, I, that I lived three different places. Like my dad was my landlord. Like I put that I made this much money at the job. And I, I told my bosses, like everyone had a script. I gave my dad a script. I gave my employees a script. And I was like, I have got to rent this. I needed a place to live. Like I had no, literally nowhere to live. So I rented this flat and then I got it. And it's on Hate Street. It was on Hated Trader, right down from currently Amoeba Records. It was rock and roll at the time. So it's like a, two blocks from Hate, Hate Ashbury. I'm on this flat, it's three bedrooms. I'm doing the roommate referral thing. I find roommates, but I am in an empty flat. Like I moved to San Francisco with two suitcases. So I have nothing and no money. So every Friday when I would finish my work day, I had no friends either. I didn't know anyone. I would walk home the like six miles or whatever it was with no math. I would just kind of, I follow the bus route because I had nowhere to be. Okay, so I would walk home and um, there was three thrift stores on the way and I would stop at the thrift stores and I had just gotten paid and I would buy stuff like tchotchkes. And I realized that's what I needed to surround myself with was old stuff that made me feel like it was a home. And that's mm -hmm. when I started buying stuff. And, you know, and since then, like I was to say, my father's house has become a treasure trove too, but that was the first idea of like, 
you can buy old things and they can be treasures and they can make you feel more secure than like the brand new lamp or the brand right, new. Right, right. Oh, that's so interesting. I am a big thrift shop. Did you know that? That, that thrift shops are my like church. Oh, yes. <laughs> if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm anxious or creatively blocked, I go to a thrift shop. Absolutely. It's magic. And yeah, it's, uh, I think like, it's the smell. Like yep. it smells like my grandma's house. Charlie won't go into them with me because he said it smells like old ladies. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you know there's going to be good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And where do you start? Um, well, it depends what's going on because my art has uses a lot of stuff from thrift shops. But if I'm just there for the inspiration, I like to start in the ceramic section. Okay. There's weird little yeah. things there. Then I move on to books. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then it's just a free for all from there, depending on what's happening. Right. But yeah, I feel very comfortable in the uh, tchotchke um, ceramic yeah. area. What about you? I, st I started appliances. I tend to start there just because oh. there's less and they're bigger. So I kind of branch out from the appliance technology area um, to just, you know, then to the ceramics, that sort yeah. of thing. Rarely do the clothes I can't always do. I go coats. Like yes. I like coats and um, dresses, but I won't necessarily do the other racks. That that's a bit much. And books is another one. Yes. Yeah. Like, but, but like large, I if I especially if I'm more overwhelmed, I have to go where there's the big stuff. You know, even if I'm not oh, going to get something, I just kind of want to see the broken back. I used to collect a lot of broken back, but I just want to see them. I want to yeah. look at them. I want to like, oh, you're all here. Like this feels nice. Hey, everybody, it's me again. I'm back. <laughs> uh, I, my one. Um, faux pas with the thrift store, I will say in that fancy, in, in, in my um, hate street place, now, uh, that place had three bedrooms. So it would cycle through roommates and everything. And I had that spool, you know, the cable spool that you like. Oh yeah. You know, the table. So that was my fancy table. Yes. And then I had a, a close friend from college move in and she had like a job at Bank of America. So she brought a couch. She brought like a couch that like was from Pottery Barn or something. And she put some other stuff in and she's just like, um, on my spool to be fancy. I had a metal bowl that I bought and a candle holder, like this modern candle holder. So it's like all these metal rods and a base. And I, um, this is like when people came over and hang out, I'm like, I made sure the rooms cleared out and then the metal bowl and the candle holder was there. When she came, she's like, I bought some candles for the candle holder, but they don't seem to be working. And I was like, and so we went in and we're like playing with them. I'm like, eh, yeah, maybe we have to burn it down and it'll look okay. And so it never looked quite right. Okay. So then that summer I'm back in King of Prussia. And for some reason, like I only bought like, like kitchen items, like dish towels. I never went to like stores in um, San Francisco. Like I only did it when I went home. I don't mm -hmm. know. There was never time to like buy sponges or like, <laughs> like dish towels or like the pillowcases. Like I always bought those when I was in King of Prussia. So I went to Marshall's and I'm going up and down the aisles and I see my candle holder, but it's like, it's a different color. Well, it's Teflon because it's one of those chicken rotisserie things that you roast. You know the ones oh, you put the oven God. on? Yeah. You put it in the oven and you put the chicken on? I have been displaying for a year a chicken rotisserie thing as a candle holder in my family room, the living room, whatever it was. Okay. <laughs> so when you got home, did you take it down or were you like, yes, nope. the best nope. candle Roger holder? Bonner, no one yeah. said anything yet. I was looking for, I should have gotten another one. I just didn't put candles in it. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. We did use it for chicken a couple of times. And then once the chicken got on it, we didn't put it back out because we didn't have a dishwasher. <laughs> we clean up the way it See, that's what I love about thrift shops too. It's like, you, 
Now that you don't have to be the thing. No, it was, it was probably in the ceramics area. So it was like, oh yeah, yeah this is a great thing. Like it yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah. You well, every time I go now, I always say to Charlie, um, cause he's about to turn 15. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, um, the thrift shop now. What would you, what would you like me to get you? <laughs> would you like a new pair of jeans or some nice right. shoes? And he's just like, oh my God. And so I always get him some weird ceramic thing for his room and I'm like you could take this to college so the last one I got him was like this weird handmade bowl with two monkeys holding it up on either side he's gonna love that someday I know right and then so the other day I was going I'm like okay what do you want he's like I'd like something with an aquatic or nautical scene so I was like I'm on it I found this great candle holder with these dolphins swirling around and it was like a dollar. I came home and I was like, Charlie, there you go. So it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I find it pure entertainment. Um, Okay. So you're in San Francisco. Um, you met your husband there. You said, yeah. At the printmaking print. studio. Yeah. And so what printmaking print. were you doing? Like rise up? Three nights a week, City College, <laughs> two or three nights a week, City College had a class, you know, if you sign up for class in San Francisco, it, your college credits were $17 a credit. So what you would do is you'd sign up for these amazing studio classes and you would just change your social security card. So, you know, one, and, and the professor would come around and be like, who are you this semester? I'm like, I'm Christina, you know, blah, 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 you know, and it was, um, truly like the, it made me the person, like it was so satisfying. So I worked during the day. And at this point I I worked at Bank of America. I got, I'd gone printmaking in Cortona, Italy. I quit my job at Chronicle Books and which is not what you do. You don't quit your job at Chronicle Books, but I did. I didn't know you were at Chronicle. I was, you were, yeah. Were you an in-house designer? Yeah. For the gift department. And honestly it was, it was enjoy. It was thoroughly enjoyable, but the people what was, were what was so enjoyable. The project itself, like it wasn't for me. I pitched a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but the idea of laying out other people's stuff and just like I that wasn't really what I did. I wanted to make everything right, and, right. And then like I didn't know about like I would come to meetings and they're like, "Well, where are your files?" I'm like, "Files? <laughs> like <laughs> I just keep my Tupperware down there, you know, for my lunch." And you know, so it's amazing. Like it was like a George Costanza moment of like. Like I would, I would literally, I, I come to, I talk to some of those friends now and I was like, do you remember the time I just came to the meeting with nothing? And they're like, because no one trained me. They just thought I knew everything. And I'm like, I, I don't know businessy stuff. Like I can make a whole gift card set, but I don't know, like you're supposed to put it in like Excel sheets and all and, you know, and die lines and all. And they're, you know, and I would just, she's like, so where are the Slover prints? And I was like, Oh, I'll be right back. And I'm like looking at my desk for anything. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, so it's funny because now I get on meetings like this and I'm like, I feel like I'm so prepared now, like to, a yeah. I think I look back now and I'm like, Oh my God. So anyway, I quit my job. I went to, I got a scholarship to go to this Cortona printmaking program. And then I continued printmaking, um, a couple nights a week at, even at a corporate job. And I do believe like the day job helped. Like, so I was finally making money, mm-hmm. get myself out of like any sort of debt from the traveling abroad. And I, I would do etching zinc lino print. So I would do an etch line. I would do a roll up. I would do the etch. I would layer the lines, layered, layered, layered. So it was very um, sketchy quality, 
rather messy. And the, it would stress the professor out a little bit because it's like I'd roll him through. And But I, I only broke the blankets once and he wasn't even mad about it, okay? We just put extra stuff down there. But um, it was an eclectic group. It was, you know, um, you know, a Mexican guy who made tamales during the day. It was, you know, people younger than me. It was such a melting pot of people that just did printmaking for three hours, two nights a week. And our critiques weren't critiques. They were like potlucks. And yeah. it was, honestly, I will never be able to mimic it. And it, 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 and it makes me angry because it was so amazing and so much fun. And, you know, it was a little competitive during the print sales. People wanted, to, you know, but it was, you know, a little waiting for Guff, um, the um, Best in Show was a little of the yeah. community theater stuff mixed with, you know, the fine art world. And it so was cool. incredible. It was incredible. And Zach, my husband, he only did it for like a semester. Um, and, you know, he went on to CCA, but I did, like, I was already out of school and it was, for me, it was so much more. And the, the professor created such an environment. I mean, he was, technical but he just let us do anything and was so how Xavier Vera Montes he was so good you know and it was it was it was everything yeah, yeah. it sounds like magic it was. So, well when okay so did your making weird little object stuff I happen when you were in San Francisco or later it happened when we left okay so then it fast forward to Brooklyn was like five years of just so you went to San Francisco to Brooklyn? Brooklyn, yeah. You did end up a, in New York. Yes, but yes. And that was fine because we were in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn right. was not, you know, at that point, Brooklyn was a whole different ball of wax. And I, I did a ton of work. I did a lot of cosmetic packaging and all. Like, I, you know, you live in New York, you have to make money. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the emphasis. Like, I had my design studio, my business partner was there. So I'm making so much money, but I always did something on the side. Like, I always, every night, I had two desks. I had my graphic design desk and I had the other desk where I would do gouache and collage and, you know, and I started a blog, generalstubin.blogs, you know, and I would just make, that was much more collage, but kind of capturing the day, but wordplay on like the bigger elements. So I think that the sentiment of, I was learning my um, word language then, mm -hmm. okay? So then when we moved to Narberth, which is outside of Philadelphia, um, had to drive. And you know, I had a young boy, he was one years old, Oscar. And I hadn't driven in like 15, 20 years. And I hated driving to begin with. So I had a studio in Old City, Philadelphia, and I started making cars, three-dimensional cars, kind of to overcome this fear. Like instead of just making the, I had made a lot of collage cars. I'd made printmaking cars. I was definitely obsessed with cars. Like careful, I did a series called Careful Crossing. Like I was trying to understand, I was trying to find something I maybe I liked about, actually that's interesting. I was trying to find something to like about cars because I hated them so much. Hate, hate, hate. I'd rather ride in a bus, a train, a, a plane, wow. hated cars. Um, and I started just making them and it was, I had, I did collect, I always kind of collected, again, stuff from the thrift store. I had this box of, one box of like, for lack of a better word, ephemera, like I go to Chinatown and grab stuff. There was these old office supply stores called Patrick's in mm. San Francisco. And they would be going out of business and I would like buy their old file folders and, and just, that would be my load that day. You know, like not a fancy purse or this. I'm like, oh my God, these file folders have metal 
numbers on them. Like, oh my God, like I can't, you know, and I would just covet these. And um, so I had this box of stuff and I started finally putting it into the cars and that, and I thought I would do a series called Drive. You know, my son at this point, he's 13 now and he was, you know, one or two and it took a year to make like one or six months to make one. And, you know, time was, and I didn't understand the purpose and I didn't understand, and I made another one and I took, you know, and I, the third one I never finished, but then I made a white panel van, which was the panel van and the pantyhose story. So it was like this idea of literally trying to control these cars, make these cars. And there was also a magic of like, I'd be at the studio and I'd finish the car and I put it in my purse and I'd carry it home in my purse. Like it wasn't even a big bag. It was a little like tiny bag with the antenna. And I'd be like, nope, I'm going to just get, and I brought it home and I put it on the mantle. And it's interesting, like who commented, like I had a friend come and he's like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I just made that car, you know? Did it, did it help? Did it make you like cars more or do you, did you, do you still hate it made them? me think about them in a different way? It made me think about them in a different way. And, and a few years ago, um, after I started making more objects, I looked back at a photo album to, for my, it was like sibling day or something. And I realized the exact cars that I made were in those pictures. I mean, yes, I knew they were them, but I didn't realize they were in so many pictures. And then I was like, oh, they were just around. So maybe I'm trying to um, work through some other stuff too, hmm. you know? What, what was the next thing you made after cars and vans? Oh my God, I should know this. I, I'm gonna I, guess like, I'm gonna guess a lawn chair. Or was that, your lawn chair later? That was pretty early on. That was really early on, the lawn chair. I made, I made an RV for a friend and that started me in this podcast world. He needed an RV because he saw the cars and I made this huge RV that was pretty intricate. That was an epiphany because we got back in touch. She was from San Francisco and he's like, I'm starting this podcast about traveling around. And I was like, okay, well, I make cars. I could do that. And I'm like, when do you need it? And it was like a Sunday night. And he's like, I need it by Friday. And I stayed oh up God. for four nights and made it. And it's beautiful. I mean, he has it. But I, I remember shipping it. I had to ship it overnight. And it cost like $200. Oh my God. And the guy at um, at FedEx is like, you know, if you planned ahead, this would be a lot cheaper. I'm like, I know. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks I know. for your feedback. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I remember being like, oh, my God, this is costing me money. I'm barely making it. So um, it was it was the it was the RV that was the epiphany of like, oh, these can happen faster. And then I was helping him with his project. And then every time I realized I wasn't the objects were the most fun part of the project. I think the roller skate was early on there. Mm -hmm. A bicycle. And, stuff. and where did the ideas for those come from? Like, was were you then flipping through those old albums looking for stuff? Or no, things no. in your mind albums were much later. And, and I can't emphasize enough. I wasn't trying to be nostalgic. Hmm. I was actually seeing the objects, but I'm their objects are really capturing present day for me in a in a voice maybe of nostalgia. Like every object is I'm making it because like the skate was like about actually I'm about to post a little video about the skate. The skate was about like freedom and like you know this idea of actually the skate was about you know um this 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 world that, you know, you can feel comfortable in, you know, it was like, this was like a breakthrough thing, like the roller skate and, you know, maybe doing something you're not good at. 
and mm-hmm. still being confident about it. So there it was in the skate and also the rink rentals, this idea of like not owning the right thing. So yeah. you're just going to rent it. So there was like, there's always like an underlying, there was a bit of an underlying theme with that one, you know. Um, well, you have a little short film that's on your site right after the pantyhose one. That, that one's ha- first. Yeah. 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 I just mean like scroll wise. So yeah. Yeah. Doing it first. And the wording in it is so, it almost made me cry. That's interesting. Some I had seen, I had showed that somewhere and a, a gentleman had come that day and said, he's like, I didn't expect to get emotional, but I did. And I, 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 um, I aim to be funny, but sometimes I think the sentiment, you know, sometimes humor is kind of on the edge of an emotion that yeah. And like, I personally use humor, uh, in uncomfortable situations and when I'm sad and what, you know, I tend to like try and joke my way out of absolutely whatever, but no there. And again, I don't know. Um, I'm going to post that on my site so everybody can see it to go along with this episode, but it'd be so interesting to see, um, because we are the same age and so much of that stuff was like, oh, like just triggers of childhood and triggers of like those moments of um, being at the roller rink and, you know, trying to look cool in front of the cool kids. Yeah. And And that was what the skate, it wasn't about skating forwards. It was like, oh my God, can I do this? Can I skate backwards? Like, can I do the thing? Everyone's watching. Everyone's watching. I'm uncomfortable, but if I do it, it's going to feel it's, it's right. Like put yourself out there a little bit more than maybe. Yeah think you should do you do any writing like outside of the I back to the academics like I never thought of myself as competent enough and I don't know grammar but now I'm trying to do a little bit more writing with the people I used to write a lot with them they were more like journal entries Mm. and then I realized like I'm not really trying to say all those things I'm trying to say this one sentiment and it's like I kind of carve away at the words and and boil them down yeah the something a bit more relatable to everybody, but in some ways um, it says more than everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's why it made me so emotional because um, whatever those things meant, those statements and the P the, the actual object that you make means something to you. And it might mean the same thing to me, or it might mean something different, you know, and, but it still strikes a chord. So I I really want to put that in the post so people can go and watch it and just, be interesting just to see different people's reactions because uh, yeah I got teary <laughs> I got teary yeah, eyes but... the song is pretty too and the friend yeah. that actually hired me for the podcast made the song and there's there's a con- something I work with in my head and I'm trying to figure out is because I'm as I make more videos it's like I don't put a voice in there on purpose and mm. some people and I've put them in short that one one in the San Francisco festival and in, same with pantyhose but it's like was good was in those festivals and it's like there's a reason I don't put a voice because if it's me saying it, it's like, it's, you judge a voice like you and the idea of you read, but reading's hard too. And I will say like, like as soon as, I mean, there's a joke, my husband's always like, Oh, it has subtitles. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do it. You know, like, I'm, yeah. I don't know. And like, but, and I don't really think of them as subtitles. I think the words are a different like element. I do but, too. And I, because you should be saying them, like you're, you're actually interacting with the words. Yeah. And, and you're totally right. Because if it's someone else saying it, you can put it on them. 
Yep. Instead of taking it internally. No, I think it's so, I think what you're doing is so beautiful, but when did you, cause I, when I wrote about you in 2017, I don't remember there being animations back then. I don't think so. I feel like it happened kind of soon after. And I think what was happening is that once I made the piece um, and there were around it, you know, when you sit with something for a while, you realize like you'd made that space heater, not just because you want to bring it outside in the winter or because you melt to the side of your desk because of it, or because it's like the only thing that makes you feel safe right now, or because you're dreading it and you hate it. You know, there's all these different kind of anecdotal things that um, it comes up. And that's where the videos kind of started to come into play. I made an empty fish tank and I started filling it with goldfish. And there was something about that. I was like, that's, that's me. That's joyful for me is like the goldfish in the tank not the dead like fish that no one noticed. You begged me for a year to get a fish. I got the damn fish, Fang died, no one noticed. But like oh. I tried to add the joy with the goldfish. And I, like, I'll use that fish tank a couple different ways, you know. And, and that's um, so cool too, because then you bring your camera back in to yep. sort of retell the story. So what did you, were you just, had you ever done animation before or were you just winging no. it? No, no, I don't know. I mean, I am, I like, I definitely assign stop motion assignments for a class, but I've never done any. And the way I do it is so um, analog. It's crazy. Like I take the pictures of like, it's so many steps, like to make that 10 seconds, you would be like, oh, I'm sure there's a better way you can do this. But I like, I'm sure you could buy a camera that's not 20 years old, but then when it <laughs> fell the other day and broke, I bought the same exact one for $60 because I'm just not ready to go to the next. Oh my God. That's so me. I'm not a fan of, if I know how to make the thing work, I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to make other things work in new ways. Yeah. I'm not against change, but like the slow-mo is a new thing. Yeah. But I'm like, not quite ready to change up. Like, well, it's like what we were saying at the beginning, you know, glue that box together. Yep. Who exactly. needs a nail? Who needs right. a nail? Exactly. Um, exactly. So, um, what was it? Well, I, I wrote down something. Oh, yes. I was looking through all your stuff right before I called you. Um, okay, so there's little clips on your Instagram of your studio, piles in your studio. Is it insane in there? Like, it seems like there's just piles of paper shit everywhere. But do you know where stuff is? Kind of. I mean, <laughs> I, like right now I'm about to make something. I'm about to make a bike. And I, I will go searching. And so right now my office is a little clean, but my standard of clean and yours are probably different. Oh, no, no. I will send you a photo of my studio okay. right now. It's, it looks like a thrift shop was in a tornado, okay. but I know where all the stuff is. I kind of do know where all the stuff is in a war, like in that. Ooh, 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 yeah. Like, like I that think warm, I saw it there last week, you know, and then you go and find it. It yeah. feels like, yeah, like warmer, warmer, like it's yeah. that warmer, saying warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. <laughs> so when I can't find stuff, but it is, I, I think they're my um, palette and my materials like that. Yes. And I can find motion that I don't normally go looking for more. Um, I am trying to find a way. My studio is very tiny. I want to say it's like eight foot by 12. I, I don't know sizes so but i would love to put a chair in here that i could sit in that's not my office chair but oh, there's yeah. literally no room and like it's so bonkers like there's so many surfaces like and even my kids come in and they're like sometimes when i ask them to help they're scared they're like i'm afraid i'm gonna get hurt and they don't say it in a mocking way they and i'm like that's valid 
okay, but I, what if mommy said, I promise you won't like, I'll hold the table and you can just hold the disco ball. Like, I promise you don't, they're like, I promise you don't have to go under the table this time. They're like, yeah, um, I, I don't, I, can we just, I'm like, okay. Like, so there are, I do realize when I get really excited, like it is a little too slapdash, you know, like, yeah. um, but, um, and it's not, and technical, like, and I also only shoot, like I can, we can never move because I have this window and that window. And like, I know how the light is, like everything kind of faces right. Yeah. You know, like, and yeah. like, I don't understand F-stops or shutter speeds, like despite the photography that I've taken for years. And um, if I move it, we're screwed. Like every yeah. once in a while, I'll like add another <laughs> surface and put it closer to the window. Like, and the other day I added like a chalkboard just cause it was a green thing. But then there was literally nowhere to move. I had to like crawl under the chalkboard to get to the other side. Oh my so, God. and I'm not trying to be chaotic. It's just, when you're experimenting, like if it has to be all technical and it's it's not going to work anyway, like you don't want to commit too much time to this, like let me make a rig or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am totally the same way, and uh, I try and be organized. Like my collage stuff, I got super organized. I have plastic see-through folders so I can actually see what's oh. in them that I got from the thrift or the uh, dollar store, and I have them labeled. So I have like hair, and I have all the ladies' hair that I've cut out, and I've got food, you know. And and so when I'm looking for that random cupcake. I don't have to look through everything. I know right. that it's in the food folder, right? So yeah. that helped a lot. But then I've started getting more sculptural. So I've been working with stuff from the thrift shop because I had the epiphany of if I love, if going to the thrift shop and going to the ceramics aisle brings me, like I can That's feel it. my heart slow down. Yeah. Like why am I not incorporating that into my artwork? Which People also- People don't slows. do that. I know. That's crazy. You don't do the thing you want to do. I know. You do the thing to the right or left of it. Why not just do the thing you want to do? I know. And is that like, find it, is that like your forties? Is that when you figure that out? I think you finally realize that maybe you don't have to push yourself. I think there's the idea we raised that you should maybe our generate, like you have to cha be challenging yourself or there's a certain level of discomfort you have to be achieving. Yes. But I, I, I don't know if it's your forties or because I think in some ways when I'm teaching younger generations now, we are teaching that earlier now. Like, mm, yeah. oh, you're really, you instinctually like to keep these journal pages. You instinctually like to take a ton of photos. You instinctually like to write music, like use that as your tool. Well, I don't maybe think... that's our generation passing that on to that that's generation because we didn't have that, you know, you know, what's so interesting is my mom is a painter, such a good, like naturally, so naturally good at it that she just doesn't even think of it as a talent almost. Right. And so for um, a long time, she quit painting and she, she's a terrible singer, okay. tone deaf, terrible singer. So she decided she was going to take singing lessons. So it didn't help. I love her very much. It did not help, but she loved it and she was trying it. And that's I was like, great. I was like, but mom, why wouldn't you put effort? Like, why wouldn't you do the thing that you're just naturally good at? And she's like, it almost like it, it, it was almost like it didn't count in her mind. Uh, yes. Cause it was so easy. Oh, and so anyway, I really encouraged her to like start painting again. And she's painting like a maniac. Mm -hmm. My dad passed away a couple of years ago. And so just recently she turned he sort of had a, like an office in their place. She mm -hmm. has turned it into an art room. See, but then I do, my question there see. is like, she, like she found the magic again, Yeah. but I do still think the singing lessons were valuable because totally. it's like, like, I do feel like, what was that? Like there was that article about like doing something that it's okay. You're not good at it. You know, yes. do, like, like, no, I think it was so how to dance. 
Yeah, no, and I think it was so great that she did it. I just thought it was so interesting that she wouldn't do both, like that she wouldn't keep going with the thing. That is like that is something. Like I almost think though, you should get her soundbite on that. Do you know what I mean? Like in casual conversation, talk about it again because I do think we need to articulate why we needed to stop the thing, why you didn't want to just do the things that you found at the thrift store. Like what is that? Like we kind of know, but I don't think we quite. No, yet. I think you're right. And I've been thinking about that a ton lately. It just keeps coming up in conversations over and over with like, you know, and I always look for patterns in conversation because they'll always be. If the answers are there. Yeah. 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 And it's like the, it used to be like, what did you pin up on your bulletin board that you just like, you know, pinned it up because, you know, you know, it's like one in a frame and the bulletin boards were those things. It's like, they weren't the precious thing. They were the thing you just, but that's the thing that meant the most. Totally. You know, and it's also, oh, the other analogy I would give is the best photos ever, the ones that are the most meaningful are the last, we don't have film anymore. The, and I always wanted to do a photo book that was the last three, finishing the role. Yeah. <laughs> think about that, finishing the role. You went there, you were like, okay, what's, what's worthy, but not worthy. Yeah. Click, let's just click, get click. this. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the things that kind of meant something, but you didn't make them precious. Yeah. You know, so there was yeah. something. And I think that's where I think there's like a little bit like we've used the word magic a few times now. And I do think that's where there is magic. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to harness that in my own work right now. And it's, it's really, you know, you have days where it's super frustrating and days where it's like these crazy aha moments and it's a fun roller coaster. I'm really kind of loving it. Um, Okay. I have what what? the dollar store though. I was going to say after, after thrift store, that's the second magical. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of good stuff in there so much Ugh. yeah charlie will go there with me he will not and if the there. price is right like it's cheaper than the pr- like it's just something anyway okay i can't i know we would be yeah. we could do a really good shopping weekend yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay what was i going to ask you about oh i want to know so are you still designing and stuff or are you just doing artwork now um i do some design projects that are cash and that okay. um, are big, but like that are one big chunk. Yeah. But I won't do the the ones that'll just steal the brain and not. Right. Like I used to think that would steal my brain and just um, not make even enough money. And yeah, and sort of suck you dry up creatively and stuff. Yes. Yeah. But I same here. About what is the right reason for this, and it would take all that. So now I think I the artwork is fulfilling that, not just like it's it's giving fulfillment, but also some financial. Right. So do you get hired like the bike? Like do you get commissioned to do things for brands or commercials or for not yet? And I that's something I go back and forth. Like I would like that, but if it was a collaborative, like I think I would be good at that. Like I think it would be fun if someone just said this. But at the same point, the pieces themselves, I don't want to make props. So there's that weird line of like. I really like I was hired for like Virginia com like a magazine editorials and I've done some more editorial work I have a little series of McSweeney's and um, where the right the words and the so you can actually engage with the pieces a bit more but if if it was like oh the roller skate could have been like a plastic miniature or mine right I think it I don't want to I want it to have and I'm not trying to make them too precious but like I've done the commercial work like I can but if it was like for an editorial piece where it's like it needed to be this piece together couch that you yeah. know like you can tell that yeah. it was um I would like that I totally kind of, know what you mean yeah 
And I think it's the same thing. Like you've done all the, like I worked in design for 18 years. And so you get burnt out from it. So if you are going to do those things, it's got to be the right thing. And I think you get to a point where you instinctually know what those right yeah. things are, you know, and, and for so long, I just said yes to everything. Cause I was so afraid, oh. you know, like the next project would never come and you need the money you need and the you need the money. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of nice now to get to a stage to be able to be like, well, it has to be right. Well, hopefully after this episode, you'll get all the calls from all the people that you want to hear from. Oh, that would be lovely. Wouldn't that like be the great? collaboration quality. Honestly, I like, I don't know about you, but like, yeah, we, I do have a lot of scraps in my office, but I don't have many people, you know, and it's <laughs> like, um, I do miss, and I, I think collaboration, like trying to understand what that was and like realizing like with the guys with the music, when they made the music for the video, it's like, oh, I think sometimes when you're in school, you, you all want to do the same thing. That's why collaboration sucks. But when you're right. all doing like something different and making something bigger than you could have ever made on your own, that's when it's magic. And honestly, that's where I want life to go. Cause I am a little lonely. Like I do love my loneliness and my like thinking, and I love, um, you know, communicating with people in these different capacities, but it's like, I'm not in a position where I can be in a studio with three or four other people right now. Like that's yeah. even, you know, lifestyle wise, that just couldn't happen just yet, but I crave that. And, um, and I think some magic happens with that, but I, you know, try and replace it with like walking down the street and talking, you know, like, yeah, yeah. The, the no, but I think that will come. I think that'll come. And it's been, that's been an, another interesting pattern that's come up in a lot of episodes recently with people is that talking about collaboration and working with um like for example working with a glass artist to right. you know and yeah. you yeah. have an idea and they have an idea and then you make something crazy yeah. that you would never know how to blow the glass yeah. to make happen like that has come up over and over lately and it's just so interesting to me because again I've always felt like I have to do it I have to do it all mm-hmm. by myself and it's like well why I don't know. I just had that as a truth in my head, right? You've got to do it right. And right. you've got to do it on your own. And well, maybe because those things are true down before too. Like I maybe. see sometimes, right. But yeah. also, and the other thing too, is like when, like with editorial or even when you say the design like projects, but when someone's like, Oh, could you make a blah, blah, blah. Like I'm up for the, like certain pieces, like I, people are like, do you take commissions? I'm like, well, like I can't really make anything that breathes, but like, I do think when people throw stuff at you, that's weird. Like you put your brain, you know, you go in a new place. Like I'm up for anything. Like yeah. I am up for anything. Like that's, you know, just well, you can kind of tell that from your Instagram feed. Right. Well, <laughs> who knows? And it's like, that is maybe that's the magic of like, and I'm not, I think I used to be more scared. Like, well, I don't know if I'd be able to solve that. Well, then we'll figure it out. Like there's not, like, I think, you know, five, six years ago, I would have been more like, well, I'm not sure how I can get that done. But like, I can figure it out. Like, yeah. And, I, and it's like, even if I, I'll just sleep on it, instead of staying up all night, I would probably go to sleep and like, you know, yeah, um, a more rested, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've felt like that too, that there's, I finally have figured out that there really is a solution to every problem. Yeah. And I've just been asked to do this collaboration and, um, I was, I'd had one idea, the first idea, and I was just going down that path and it wasn't working that idea. And I was like stressing myself out over this. I was like, well, hold on. That was my idea. Like we can do something else. Like why am I (laughs) put this, you know, square peg in a round hole. Yeah. The rules you put on yourself, like where do they come in? Like, it's true. Like I was just saying, like, I made a couch. I'm like, well, I would, I want to make another couch really badly, but I'm like, I already made a couch. Like I can, people paint a lot of flowers and people and they do 20 million 
figures. Like, why can't I make more? And right now the bike that I'm making, which the bike is all about, like right now I'm feeling like we're in this little, you know, we're walking, we're like surrounding, like we're circling, but then the bike is about getting out a little bit further, mm, you, know, yeah. in, you know, and like whether mentally, emotionally, physically, like, you know, and like we're exploring a little bit more, we're, we're, you know, we're getting beyond it. And I'm like, well, that's what this bike means. Like, it's funny because the other bike was about turning it upside down and making a mud factor or a cake factory, you know, <laughs> and do you ever do that? Like when you would yeah. like spin so, but I'm like, I can make another bike. And I'm like, I might actually even make a yellow. And I haven't made a bike in six years, but it was so this, well, you already did it. Like, no, I can't, it's different. Yeah, you could do a hundred bikes if you want. Right, yes. I know, yeah, interesting. Yeah. It, where does that come from? We'll have to figure that one out too. I don't know, we might have to start a psychology podcast. Oh, sure. Everyone born in the early seventies, um, we'll break it all down and like exactly. figure out what happened to us. <laughs> Yes. Watch out. Yeah, it's gonna be scary. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I've had you on here for so long, but I I feel like your answers to the not so speedy speed round are gonna be hilarious. So Uh-oh. we'll try and make it speedier than I, I normally make it. Okay. okay. No, it's my fault because I always ask follow ups. Okay. So favorite kind of cereal as a kid? Um, anything without milk because I hate soggy cereal. I've never eaten cereal with milk because. As soon as kids laugh and say like soupy milk, and they laugh with the wilted cereal. So cereal just has to be dry in a bowl. Okay. Doesn't matter what kind. Anything without raisins. Okay. Fruit loops. Yes. Yeah. Cocoa pebbles, fruity pebbles, fruit loops, Captain Crunch, peanut butter, Captain Crunch. Yes. Okay. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um dry. No milk ever. Here's another food question. Cause I saw something on your Instagram and I was like, I think she might be my soul sister. Mac and cheese. Yes. Original or a variation? Oh. Do you guys have like spirals and like all the sharp cheddar? Like, I love the box. Just put the box with Wait, the- We have, so we have craft Dinner. Do you guys have, is it craft Dinner that you have? Or do you have like- We have craft. I just, I can make really good mac and cheese with the roux and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But no, I mean no, the no. box. No, I want the box of orange craft mac. Yeah. But yeah. see, we have, and I don't know, you guys probably do, but we have, so we have the regular- Craft mac and cheese original, but then there's also spirals, and then there's sharp cheddar, and then there's like, and they have all these different kinds now. Do you ever, do you ever dip away from the original box? I can go, go white cheddar. I okay. can go white cheddar, and I can do spiral. Yeah. Um, I just want it to be the powder. I don't want the no, no, like, same poured out. No, and I can't eat gluten anymore because I have really bad. Um, oh. I know it's so sad, but um, I had surgery last June. I got home from the hospital. I felt so sick from the anesthetic. I was in so much pain from the incision. And I said to my husband, I need a box of macaroni. Oh yeah. And I just ate the entire yes. box. It's one portion. Just so yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you one. ever? Yeah. And portion. I, and Charlie eats it all the time. And um, I put most of it in his bowl and then I always eat one. Oh God, yeah. From with, the, with the big spoon. Yeah, with the big, spoon. big wooden spoon. Right out of the pot. And when no one's around, yeah, you lay the dish towel on your lap with the pot. <laughs> and like, I, I actually cook, like I'm a cook, but you, this is what you do when uh, you lay the dish towel on your lap and, it, and you have that warm sensation of the pot that's pulled off the stove and you eat it with a big spoon, like a big metal spoon because you yeah. need the mouth feel. I'm going to use chef terms, you need yes, the mouth yeah. feel of it to go in and don't mess it up with too much milk. Cause if you do that, it's, you don't get the zestiness. Exactly. A little bit of butter. Don't skimp on the butter. Don't mess with the yogurt and the, all that. Oh crap. God, no, 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 no. You just do the, add the butter, 
do the milk and like make sure you don't have any clumps and eat it on your lap. And you got to eat it when it's hot. You don't let it congeal at all. You got to go, 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 go. It's a speed. It loses its zestiness. Now here's a follow-up. What do you watch while you're eating that? Does it matter? Um, something true crime. <gasps> Me too. <laughs> I'm loving murders, Danielle. The world needs us. Like forensic files. Like I mean, okay. I'm probably thinking about where I should get luminol because I could have solved that crime. Okay. Same. Uh-huh. I know. Have you watched the Innocence Files on um, Netflix? <gasps> Wait, wait, I might have, but it might have blurred in. So I think that's what it's called. It's about the, um, it's cases that the Innocence Project has solved. Oh, like no. people up. Oh, oh my God. I'm going to make my bicycle to the Innocence Files. Do so it. This, and like have some mac and cheese on the side. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. so good because, so normally I solve crimes. Um, so I'll be down in the studio with it on the back. And Greg, I'll come up and my husband will be like, how many crimes did you solve today? And I'm like, like five. Like, yeah, exactly. What would the world do without us? I know. But now the innocence files, I'm like, I should volunteer my time with the innocence project. I'm sure they would love that. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, but like, yeah, I bet they would love it. Oh yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's just what they need. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They just, they need me to be an artist that's more inspired. Well, honestly, think about how much information we could get at those thrift stores like you know i feel like you know right okay oh my god i mean and do you watch forensic files at all though well i've watched all of them and now i'm out of them i've watched them all repeatedly so i already i'm like i've already solved this one Oh god! Exactly. I mean, there's some classics like with the. I mean, I wake you go. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Oh my god! How did we not meet years ago? Okay. Um. What is my fine? Okay. Because the dollar store in mac and cheese and solve forensic files. Like, I feel like. I mean, this is the The therapy people need. This is the sort of retreat that people need. Honestly, this is forget this nature crap. People like you need to spend a day making artwork, watching forensic files, only to take breaks to go to the dollar store, get more supplies and eat mac and cheese. I'm just saying. Okay, well, I don't want to jinx this connection we have. How do you feel about chips, potato chips? I mean, they go great with wine. <laughs> That's do you, what I do you, are you a salty kind of snack? Yes. Yeah, me too. I'd have to have some chips at our retreat, but if that was a week long retreat. That would be dangerous. I would be so happy. I would feel really sick after, but I would be so happy. Need to be more consolidated, okay? Because we're gonna do. But honestly, you can serve. I went like I haven't been to Europe a ton, but like I remember going to Paris for the first time, and they serve potato chips with with the wine. And I do that now. Like again, back to like I like to cook and I like to entertain, but I'm also like gets hard after a while. So I'm like this, and I actually put the bowl down in front of people. I'm like. This is what they do in Paris. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Here's the red wine and here are the potato chips. And this is actually being... very continental and this not lazy very... at all. So just I'm, so I'm, you know. I'm very cultured. So yeah. don't, don't As am I. forget it. <laughs> um, okay, final question. Well, I may, we may have just answered it. If you weren't an artist, what do you think you'd be? Oh, Jesus. Well, obviously, yeah. A detective. Forensics would, I, private eye would be awesome. Because I feel like, I used to, even my, my mom used to answer the phone and I would sit there even as like a six-year-old and try and guess who was on the other end of the phone just by like the way she said her reaction. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like there's something like I would love to like private eye and like just more the, like the clues are one thing, but the social qualities of it, like Mm -hmm. I like to spy. I'm not going to lie. I like to spy and eavesdrop. 
Yeah. My girlfriend and I, we go for walks every week and we're like, we would be, cause we gossip about all, you know, the people and the staff and everyone's marriages sure. and stuff. And we're like, we would be really good spies oh. slash detectives. And like, we could find out who was cheating on who, like, right. Apparently you need a license for it, but I'm like, I don't think, I think we could just start our own, like, have you started the thing where you call her and say, do you make predictions? I'm like, I just want to say, I was thinking about this yes. the other day. And now I do that because I don't, I'm so tired of being like, I thought that, but I never said. And so now I just actually call. And sometimes I'll even like, I'm like, I just want to, and, and like with texting now, I sometimes put in a text because they're like, I don't remember. People don't remember. I'm like, no, 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 no. I texted you. I said, this was going to happen. I said, do you ever do that with people like getting pregnant? Like if you, I will oh, always sure. say to myself, I think that I think so-and-so is pregnant and he's just that's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm just saying, I'm just so that I can be right. Yes. I when, just want to be right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like we're somehow cosmically related. Connected. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. we are. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you. This was um, such a joy like just so much fun and it's a perfect excuse to show everyone your artwork all over again and I, I can't believe it's been since 2017 since I did I, a full post that's crazy. I really do thank you for that like I know oh. I, I know you didn't I that is not I, we haven't talked since that but like you, it is fun to say it to the person that like it, it did make a difference like it actually was a kickstart like it, I it, love it, that that makes me so so happy and hopefully this episode will be a even bigger kickstart to something else and and I really think like don't you think 2022 we should do like a weekend oh, time yes. art mac yes. and cheese retreat yes with tons of dollars I think that we should meet in a dollar store parking lot and have yes. everyone get their supplies we could probably get mac and cheese there too although I, I, I don't like it to be past the expiration date I know it could be a bit um yeah, but that's they okay. Are. I can bring it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, if we put that out to the world, mm-hmm. I bet we would have 5,000 registrants. Oh, good. Of course. <laughs> People would be down. I bet everyone listening to this right now is like, where do I go? Which parking right. lot are we meeting in? And, but I will say I like red wine with my mac and cheese. Like I'm, I'm much more of a red wine. You're than classy. I am. Okay. So just, okay. okay. I want to make sure. All right. All right. Well, that's fine. I live in wine country. I'll bring the wine. Oh, perfect. Great. Okay, yes, it's okay. really all coming together. And we just need the right. pandemic to be over and we'll be all set. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to put a big post together so everyone can see all this stuff. And uh, I'll Great see you in 2022. Time. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's work this out though. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. not joking. Okay, good. It will happen. Okay. Yeah. No, I need people. Okay. okay good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I will talk okay. to you soon. Oh my word, I have not laughed that much in ages. That Lithostone story is one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> now, on a very serious note, how many of you would sign up for a true crime watching, mac and cheese eating, art making retreat? I mean, okay, I know I haven't traveled anywhere in here, but that literally sounds like heaven to me. You guys, I'm not joking. And granted, I've only just become Soul Sisters with Lydia, but I'm pretty sure she wasn't kidding either. Stay tuned. We will let you know which dollar store parking lot to meet us in in 2022. (laughs) Thank you so much to Lydia for taking the time to come on the podcast, for sharing her stories, and implicating herself in the case of the buried litho stone. Hopefully nobody goes after her for this one. Her sculptures, animations, and pantyhose video, which you have got to watch, are all over on my site right now. Seriously, wait till you see this film. It is 
a crazy story, but at this point, who's surprised, really? (laughs) Great big thanks to you for listening to yet another episode of Art for Your Ear, now officially part of Coloop, a podcast network designed to fuel your creativity. There will be more Art for Your Ear next weekend. See you then. Mm -hmm.